Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. I am so happy to have with me today a beautifully authentic and brilliant human being, Gail Lynn. She is the author of Unlocking the Ancient Secrets to Healing, Why Science is Looking to the Past for the Future of Medicine. This book is a touching and fascinating account of her extraordinarily divinely guided journey of birthing the revolutionary new sound and light therapy that is truly helping thousands of people really overcome their health issues. And this is called the harmonic egg, which we will talk about today. She is the creator of this resonance healing chamber and, um, She's taking frequency healing to a whole new level. Gail, thank you so much for being here. You truly are amazing what you are doing in helping this planet, helping heal humanity, and raising people's frequency. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so humbled to be able to uh, bring this through. My gosh, I never knew my life was going to be this way. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you are divinely guided and your story in your book really um, displays that. And we're going to go a bit into that. So you created this groundbreaking device. It's groundbreaking in my opinion. I've had experiences in it. It's a sound resonance chamber for anyone that's not familiar. It's called the harmonic egg. And um, could you just begin by giving a brief overview of what exactly it is, it's more detailed components of the sacred geometry, the light, anything else about its construction that makes this proprietary? Well, yeah, absolutely. So when I came up with this, I feel like it came through me and I know the universe gives this information to you know, groups and groups of people here and there. And then there's some crazy person that's going to pick up the information. And I guess I was picked to do that. Uh, when I started visualizing it, I could see it in my head already built. And I knew that it had to be 360 degrees of, of, of the vortex of the music. The, the distribution of the sound and the light had to be so exact using the golden mean, um, using Tesla mathematics. And I don't even really know how I knew this. It just was, this is what it has to be. So uh, as you read in the book, there was one gentleman that says, I can build this for you. And we only had a place to build it in my old center, which was the middle room. Mm. So he had to come in after hours and put it together. And I would come in the next morning and say, it's not right. And he said, well, what's not right? I said, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. So I think he quit twice. I fired him once. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was one of those. And I said, the, the, in, the inside needs to be smooth because the integrity of the music and the way that we deliver the light and the sound has to be smooth 360 degrees of, 
I, I call it healing. I don't like to use that word, you know, with the FDA, right. but 360 degrees. And I said, then we have to have a hexagon platform. And he says, why? I said, I don't know. And I was listening to your podcast with Patricia Corey. Is that how you say her name? Yes. Mm hmm. And she said, you know, the Syrian technology is like six dimensional consciousness. And I thought there it is because it is a Syrian technology and there's the six, the hexagon. Mm. And it, it also was revealed to me later on that the center of a hexagon acts as a portal and it's exactly where the chair sits. Mm. Wow. So he said, well, it just would be easier for me to cut out a circle. And I said, but it also has the angles and the angles balance out the divine feminine of the egg. The angles are more of the masculine. So it had to have that yin and the yang. And then the outside is paneled with 12 sides, which you know is the dodecahedron in a two-dimensional type of fashion. And then the 360 of healing is, you know, six and three is nine. So you have the threes, the sixes, and the nines of the Tesla mathematics with the 12-sided on the outside, which is the three, two plus one, the six-sided hexagon platform, and then the 360 of healing. It just came out so amazingly beautiful. I couldn't have visioned it to be any better. Yeah, it's a beautiful device just to look at it. It's it's when you see it for the first time, your, your senses, you, you really do have an experience of awe. And, um, and then you have a... Um, gravitationalist uh, chair in there that right. uh, zero gravity chair zero gravity that's it that that uh, just amplifies the whole experience in my opinion you know regarding the dodecahedron because we hear a lot in healing speak about the tetrahedron or you know right. triangular pyramid we see it in crystals we see it uh, in healing wands we hear about it in all kinds of different healing modalities. What is it though about the dodecahedron? It's the 12th and you're talking about that aspect is the Syrian technology? No, the six, the hexagon was this, um, she says oh. on her website that the Syrians are six dimensional consciousness. Right. So that that's where the six shows up. This, you know, the three, six and nine shows up in nature so much. Right. And, you know, Tesla, I just would have loved to meet him. It would have just... Sure. That's so fun. <laughs> we need to create a device where we can go back and find him and <laughs> or find that device and uh, from the past and bring it back to the current day. Um, so the, de the dodecahedron is a 12, it has 12 faces. Um, and you mentioned in your book how you saw an image of a geranium and you were like, oh, that's it. Yeah, so yeah. Do you think this, just to kind of throw this out there, not like you would go and create a whole new device, but just for argument's sake, do you think this would work as like a double tetrahedron or a singular tetrahedron? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it would have a different energy about it, but I think it's just the sacred geometry and the delivery system using the sacred geometry and the, um, you know, the whole shape of it. It would probably have a different energy and a different feel to it mm -hmm. and you know you have to look at is the planet ready for something that might be a little more intense yeah you know you mentioned that uh, you were really getting you were channeling a lot of this information not to um 
denote the fact that you are doing your own research and your own education and putting forth all these efforts and just gathering information. It wasn't just channeling and channeling alone, but the channeling aspect of it, that divinely inspired aspect of it as an intuitive channel. Um, I'm just curious, what were some of the first hits or messages that you received? Do you remember? Um, let's see. It was very much, I'm more clairsentient, so I just know that I know. Right. But I have all the clairs. I've recently learned that people were, you know, have given me examples. This is what clairaudient is. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I get that. This is clairvoyant. This is clair. So I, I've been told I have all the clairs and I feel like it was just images put into my head. And when I would see what was being built, I just knew that I knew that wasn't it yet. Mm-hmm. That's, that's makes sense. You kind of just follow you, you just follow the road. <laughs> right. The gut feeling that says, okay, this yeah. is where we need to go with it. Yeah. And I've been guided. The eggs told me, and you know, I'm an engineer from Detroit. So even saying that sounds silly to me, but I know that it's a thing, but mm-hmm. the eggs told me just, if you build it, they will come. But they also said they will take care of themselves. They will find the right owners. They will find the right locations. And they have, it's been so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I I can really understand that and uh, speak of that in sort of my life, just doing the work that I do. The right people really do show up and um, you don't have to push it upon anyone. It's just whoever's meant to have that experience. They'll they'll have the experience and they'll come into your um, awareness, into your life, into your space. Right. And you talked about your your John Roger. Is that what his name was? John Roger? Mm hmm. I had a Roger Anthony that was in my life and he's now passed about five years. And, um, he was the one that I was struggling in a, in a seminar one day, this was probably maybe 15 or more years ago. Mm -hmm. He passed me a note and it said, L I F E let it flow effortlessly. Oh, I love that. And that changed my life. And you'll see in my signature, it says, let it flow. You do. That's right. Every email. That's great. That is a great reminder. So simple, but, you know, really grounding. Right. You bring up one of my favorite quotes um, by the German philosopher, Arthur uh, Schopenhauer, I think his name is, um, which I think deserves mention with these kinds of things. And really, I think with anything that is not part of the narrative, um, which is, um, he says, all truth passes through three stages. And you talk about this. And the first stage is that it's ridiculed. In the second stage, it's violently opposed. And the third, it is accepted as being self-evident. Right. I, I think that's really worthy of mention because um, when we have these new technologies, when we have these sort of anything on the planet that maybe as a miracle cure, or again, not of the familiar, not of the narrative. It's very natural and normal, I might add, uh, suggest that the human condition has this sort of process, just like the stages of dying, there's the stages of coming into something that is acceptable and accepted as worthy of being 
truth and real and and evident. Um, do you do you still have that experience with the people that come to see you, or do you feel that that's shifting? It shifted so much, and I think there was a a time in the middle of the pandemic, if you will, mm-hmm. that things shifted really big. But yes, people fear. They fear what they don't understand. So I was definitely ridiculed. I was called a witch doctor. I was called, I was attacked by our channel four news station here when I first opened with the light box and I stood up to them and there was a doctor, a medical doctor in town. He said, you know what? Tell that guy to come to your center, you know, Thursday at 10 o'clock, I'm going to tell him it works. And I said, you know, you're putting your reputation on the line. And he said, I don't care. He said, I'm, I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing, what they're doing to you. And it was so nice and so loving of this medical doctor to come in. And he did. And it was so humbling. Um, so I had the, the ridicule, if you will. And now I'm just the egg mama. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves the experiences that they have. And there's a, been a huge shift because technically that wasn't that long ago. I think it was 2012. And if you look at the hundreds of years with Royal Rife and Wilhelm Reich and Tesla and in just those short 2012 to now, look at the shift that we've made. That's right. That's right. And it's speeding up. That's right. what it feels like. That's what I'm noticing. People are kind of getting on board and it's it's speeding up, which is good because, you know, in my humble opinion, not to be negative, but to kind of just put it out there. I think we're running out of time. We need to get to it. We need to get Absolutely. to it and get on, get, get on it and, and uh, get the prefrontal cortex awake and alive. This brings to mind the, the question of belief, really. Because you asked, I remember, I think it was uh, TK, TQ, TQ. TQ, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and a great story, by the way, in your book. And you asked him three critical questions is it regarded to his healing? And you asked him first if he actually wanted to get better. And then you asked him second, if he believed he could get better. And then you asked him thirdly, how much was he willing to participate in the generation of any improvement? And for myself, just uh, talking to many fellow healers and researchers of energy medicine and, and, new thought medicine, they feel that belief is an indispensable part of the healing process. Yet, I've met many that I respect and consider great authorities in the space that will say as long as the desire is there, that that's enough. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think belief is indispensable? I think that's a great question. I think... um... I, 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 let me give you an example. I had a gentleman, he came in and his church had purchased sessions for him. And he said, can I just read a book in here? This is so dumb, but my church wants me to come. And I said, you know, no, you can't read a book in there. He had the shuffle from Parkinson's. His feet were shuffling across the floor and he had a cane. Well, it was early on with the light box that this happened and it was interesting because when he came out, he took a heel to toe step and started crying. Wow. I didn't notice this, 
he looked down, he looked back up and he went in there with an attitude of, I can't wait to tell my church this didn't work. And can I just read a book? Mm. So that to me is no belief and it still worked. So how do you get through that thinking process and how did, how did that sound and light therapy work on that sound and light being because we're sound and light beings by nature and get through to him where he didn't have any belief, but it still worked. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind when I hear that story makes me think of a sort of principle in spiritual sciences. We talk about the three selves and there's the higher self. We could call that the innate or the soul, the conscious self and the basic self. And the basic self is like the ego, the reactive part of us, the humanness, you know, our, our basic sort of materiality or emotionality. And then the conscious self is sort of the bridge between the two, right? Um, the conscious self is what we want to step into when we talk about um, hacking the basic self, right? And changing our patterns and all that. And when you share that story, this is just kind of what's coming to mind is that, well, the reason it worked is because it's not the basic self that's healing. It's the innate and the innate is overriding those sort of lower, not as a negative, lower being a negative. It's like, this is an indispensable part of us. We need the ego because the ego helps us get stuff done. It's just not the master, right? But the innate or the higher self is overriding these sort of lower aspects of our multidimensional self or being. So that's going to naturally kind of be the default mechanism um, in our healing process. So believe or don't believe, but it's going to happen anyway. It's like uh, past life experiences, right? If I get kicked out of the field as a biofield tuner from the ionic, from the edge of the field and I get kicked out further from the edge where the gestational period is where, where you're in utero, then I'm going into pre-birth. I'm going into past life. And people say, well, I don't believe in past life. And I said, don't worry about it. It, you're, you, it exists anyway. So we're gonna, <laughs> you don't have to believe it because. That, I love you. That's awesome. <laughs> so, and then I get information and they're like, that's weird. And, uh, and then it just, and then they tell me that uh, they no longer get headaches anymore. Or they no longer hate their husband or they st stop eating the shitty cupcakes. And now they eat a fruit bowl. <laughs> I had a lady, she said, well, I don't know if I believe in past lives or not. She said, but at the end of my session, I was in a place where I was a man and it was so real. It was so, so she said, when the bell, you know, when we ring the bell, she said, I had to grab my boobs and see if I was a woman. Oh man. that's wild. I'm like, that's intense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Well, you talk about some really valuable considerations in your book and um, regarding sound and frequency. And many of us have heard the biblical sort of premise in the beginning was the word. And as you say, words, chants, prayer, they can hold great power. But as you offer in, in your book, what if it's not the words, the chant or the prayer that matter, but it's the frequency of the belief? that matters coupled with the inherent vibration and sound. Can you talk about that? 
Yeah, if I understand what you're saying, are you talking about the Solfeggio suite, the frequencies? People talk about the 528 hertz for the DNA. Are we are we going down this this path? Yes. We could go down that path, but I think it's all it's also the fact that it's not just the words and the chants and the prayer that that really hold the potency. They they can't be activated without sometimes the frequency of the the sort of fuel that you put in the car, which could be that belief mechanism. I might be backtracking a bit and being um, uh, overriding what I just said, but you're talking about how it's not just the words and the prayer and the chanting that matter, but it's the frequency of the belief coupled with the vibration and sound that can create these transformative events in our body. Right. Well, I I do believe that, you know, Edgar Cayce in his um, writing Auras says that if we bring together the spiritual forces of sound with together the spiritual forces of light, that's going to be the powerful modality for the future. And Edgar Cayce's consciousness does have a play in the harmonic egg as well as Rife and Tesla and um, probably some some people I don't even know yet. Right. Uh, but, the, you know, the words that we use um, have a frequency. So when you chant a mantra, Sanskrit or Buddhist mantra, I think those had a very powerful vibration or frequency back in the day. Unlike some of the music that we have today, which I think has a very low frequency with the words that are used. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also you combine that with the resonance of the egg so you have the delivery system of sound and light frequencies vibrations all inside a resonance where it can't dissipate with you know into the ether of a room so if you just have a 14 by 14 room and you're laying on a vibration bed and maybe listening to some music it's dissipating and where inside the egg you're getting that you know and it's that whole piece that I think really brings everything together with the frequencies in the egg. Yeah. I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. And, uh, you, you answer that question beautifully. It, um, it brings also to mind, uh, we were just talking about this before we got on the call, which is, uh, the book by soul Luckman. He was on one of my earlier podcasts, uh, interviews, and he wrote the book, potentiate your DNA for anyone that's listening. And you want to check out another great book about um, healing with sound that really brings in a lot of what Gail's talking about. But to your point and talking about Edgar Cayce and bringing in these elements of spirit, he talks about era one, era two, and era three, the sort of errors of medicine. And for the first era was the genetic component, which was that period of time where we were just interested in the genetics and how genes rule the DNA, which of course, you know, is not the case with Bruce Lipton coming in with the era two um, model of epigenetics. We're going above the gene and recognizing it's the environment that really can affect the gene, the power of positive thinking, um, the conscious mind, you know, um, uh, space, time, um, genetic self-determinism, things like that. But he's talking about, which I think you are working with, is an aspect of this new phase of medicine called era three 
um, which is really metagenetics, which brings in the foundational tenant of spirit. So era one's body, era two's mind, era three is spirit. And it's not only the power of positive feeling, but you're dealing with non-locality, you're dealing with transpersonal energies, you're dealing with the superconscious mind, the higher self, perhaps like what we were talking about, that higher self, that innate is coming in and doing the work, whether you believe it or not. Um, the sound, you're dealing with the sound domain, which is era three, which is time space, whereas era two is space time, which is the light domain. And we're potentiating DNA, which I think you are doing. And that's era three, that's metagenetics. And you're changing consciousness, again, metagenetics. And there's uh, another aspect, I believe, by um, the era three, I believe it's the intelligent, it's, it's, it has to do with the intelligent design, the divine intelligence um, in this design, which you say, I don't know how I got this. I just know this is what it is. And you're being guided to it. And it's a higher intelligence, which is again, an aspect of metagenetics. So I just thought I'd throw right. that. No, in it's next. So brilliant because we do need the mind, body, spirit, um, healing, if you will, but we are working on a different, um, metagenetics level mm-hmm. and we are bringing the, um, client, closer to their higher self, releasing trauma of those layers of trauma that's preventing them from reaching their higher self, connecting to the source energy, whether it's God, source, universe, I, you know, everybody has a different name for it. But I had a military guy come out one day and he said, um, I always talk to God, mm. but in the egg, God talked back to me. Oh. And, and what he's crying <laughs> and I'm thinking, do I hug this guy? Because I don't know what to do with this big burly guy. Right. Right. So it's, it's so interesting how people connect um, and time doesn't exist. And I will actually have people come out and say, you're kidding me. That was 40 minutes and, you know, 40 minutes of music and 10 minutes of silence is what we, what we have. Yeah. I and had I that experience the first time I went in the egg. Did but you? I lost a sense of time Uh, and to be completely transparent, the first time I went in the egg, it was almost like too much energy for me. I was like, I felt I was just hooked up literally to the universal primordial web of all the electricity. I know that sounds really, um, pompous i think no i've heard this before but it was like my nervous system who's taking in all this information had never experienced that level of an an, a download or an upload (laughs) and it was almost like anxiety inducing and i don't have anxiety um but I had to really ground and do my breath. And I couldn't do, I have been initiated into the Melchizedek priesthood and some Kriya yogic techniques. And, you know, you, you're given these mantras, right? That are given to you, the names of God that are not to be spoken. They're, you don't speak them because it, it would reduce their potency and they're sacred. So you keep them to yourself. And And uh, I do that as a part of my daily meditation and practice, spiritual exercises. I couldn't even do those. I I sort of went to that as a first kind of go-to. And it was like, 
it amplified those words so much so that I was like, I'm going to incinerate. <laughs> so I was like, I was in a, my, my process was really in the process of doing nothing, which sounds like, well, how can you really do nothing? Cause we're always doing, it's like when I hear a yoga teacher say, drop your mind, don't, don't have no thought. That's really ridiculous. You can't have no thought. The mind always has thought unless you're dead and there's no synapses running. You can create space between thought right? Which is meditation. You could slow down thought so that you can create that calm, still river and have that sort of chitta vritta narodaha experience. You get the sort of stuff, the junk out of the head through the slowing down, the cessation of thought. But I couldn't do any of my meditation. I had to literally approach it like I was doing nothing and just be, be by doing less, just sit there. And the moment I tried to do something, it was like, I turned on the, the, the generator switch too much. And it was like, and, um, it it took some time, probably the last five minutes it, it dissipated, but it was, it was an intense experience for me. I wouldn't say it was relaxing, but it was up leveling for sure. And I had, so many creative downloads um, for, uh, I'd say, a week or two after. Yeah. So what's happened, what I've noticed is we're rebooting the nervous system in the first sessions. Um, it's kind of the default setting because if somebody were to come in with a chronic, you know, say insomnia, um, that's their body's normal. So we reboot to a new normal. We want to get the body retrained to a new normal. And I hear this a lot where people say they're anxious, they have, um, they're antsy, they have anxiety, they're irritated. And what I've, I've come to liken it to is that the nervous system is completely out of balance so that it's stuck in that fight or flight. And when the rest and digest tries to play nice with the fight or flight, there's that anxiousness, that anxiety, that irritation, and it's, mm. it's trying to come into balance and the body is resisting it. And then people, they sinked into it. So when people tell me, how do I have no mind? I said, well, that's impossible. But what you can do, and we help people set an intention as well. But I tell them, if you just sit completely still, feel your clothing up against your skin and listen to the different instruments that are playing. If you do those three things, it's hard to think because you're focused on what is the instruments? How does this feel against my skin, this clothing or this blanket and sitting completely still. And within a short amount of time, I'm finding that people will just kind of go out. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had that experience of going out yet, but I have had incredibly beautiful spiritual experiences where the, you know, my, my ascended masters, which are available to everyone. Um, they, they, they show up and, um, there's a lovely, gentle, loving presence and spiritual kind of gathering of sorts in the egg. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that because it is all created around love and high vibe in the musicians that I am, I've been hiring to create music specifically for the cubic airspace inside the egg yeah. have all been a high heart energy, um, of, you know, love, there's no conditional love. So I was going to say unconditional love, but of love. Yes. And it has been so beautiful 
um, that everybody's surrounded with the egg is it's, it's almost, I've been told it's like the intention of Taj Mahal where they say, okay, I'm going to place this tile right here. And they feel the intention of the egg and everything about the egg has a story from the shape to the chair, to the lights, to the speakers, to the music, everything has an intention to it and all specifically put together for the purpose of people, you know, reaching their, you know, higher self and, and connecting to the source energy. And it's just been such a beautiful experience for me. Yeah. Well, I would, I would say it's very Christ guided and I don't mean that anyone listening in a religious sense, unless you feel like you want to put it there. I'm not really a religious person, so that wouldn't, um, make sense for me, but it, it, Christ guided in that it's the Christedness. It's the unconditionality of the loving heart. Um, and when one's intention, as you say, is pure and purely, uh, solely for the betterment of others from the heart, very, that to me is, is very Christ guided. And from that pure intention, pure um resonance is its is its um manifestation or result so you right. get purity of that intention in the design and well, the- there are definitely days that i go why did the eggs pick me i'm not worthy i'm not worthy of what the beauty of this is but i'm also you know human right says who you're not worthy how do you know that well clearly They've chosen me. <laughs> Every day I'm grateful. We'll have spiritual counseling later. We'll, we'll make that right at you. And then you get in the egg, you'll be just fine. Um, so, you know, I, I love that story, by the way. I'm doing a bit of a segue here, but I love that story you mentioned of the deaf woman uh, you reference in your book and uh, how she experiences sound. And I know... Um, several people that have hearing loss, one being my mother and my mom's an identical twin and her identical twin has about 10 to 15% of her hearing left and it's slowly declined. She has auditory neuropathy um, as well, as well as my mother. And, um, and so she, she really can barely hear, um, but she's not completely deaf. I know people that are completely deaf and uh, it just, really brought a new sense of sensitivity and understanding when you talk about this woman and she says that hearing is basically a specialized form of touch and she says sound is simply vibrating air which the ear picks up and converts to electrical signals which are then interpreted by the brain but the sense of hearing is not the only sense that can do this touch can do this too and so she if you are standing by the road and a large truck goes by, do you hear or feel the vibration? And the answer is both. And so she really talks about how hearing, how, how being a deaf person, how it's m- so grossly misunderstood for those that can hear. I was wondering if you could just touch upon that. That's so, that's like another hour talk, right? It's so brilliant. I have, 
another man who's completely deaf and he loves going into the, into the egg. And some of the technicians feel like, do I need to turn the sound up? I said, no, he feels the music. He feels the vibration. He doesn't have to specifically hear it. Um, it just is so wonderful too. people that have traumatic brain injuries. I find that their senses are a little bit different than most where, um, they want the sound turned down so low that I can barely hear it from the outside, but it's loud to them. Mm. So I love how, you know, we get to have these different expressions of our senses and, you know, we take things for granted and we don't, you know, processing things differently and assuming different things about our senses. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I have a story that just this popped into my head. So I want to, I want to share this, but um, I go to the barn, I have a horse and she's wonderful. And there's one very difficult horse that's there. And her owner has some mental illness problems. And I went out to the barn and I was trying to get my horse out of the pasture. And this horse appeared to be challenging me and being difficult and when I was trying to get my horse out of the pasture, she was chasing my horse off. So of course it's going to make me frustrated and angry and, you know, and, and shooing her away and not listening because usually I listen to the horses. They communicate with me so beautifully. And this day I wasn't listening. And then I realized that it wasn't even about her being difficult. She was uncomfortable being exposed in the pasture. She wanted to go back in her four wall stall. And I felt so terrible because here I was shooing her off and not tapped into the understanding. She's like, please, please help me. Please take me into my house. I, you know, and chasing my horse off to get my attention. Mm. And I felt so horrible. I went and apologized to her and just told her, I'm so sorry I didn't hear you. And that's what my horse has done for me is really helped me with the autistic community too, for the nonverbal communication. And, you know, maybe they have different senses as well. I think they're brilliant, um, but they see and experience the world differently. For sure. Have you seen a lot of success or improvement with autistic children? going on the egg? Can oh they gosh. handle the sensory? Oh my gosh. They are so great. So do you know who Susie Miller is? Mm, no, I don't think so. You wrote the book awesomeism. Okay. It communicates with the nonverbal autistic, um, like the collective consciousness of them. Mm. And we met because they, she was told that there would be a pod that would come to the planet that would help them to lower their vibration, help us raise our vibration and to meet them in the middle. And she said, your egg is the pod. Oh, how lovely. They love it. They love it. They, we allow them to pick their own colors because they know what they want. Um, I can tell you so many stories, two really funny ones. Uh, had 11 year, an 11 year old boy that came in and he would ring the doorbell because you know, there's a doorbell in there in case someone has a, you know, a question or they get cold or they maybe need to use the restroom so somebody can help them to get out of the egg. So he rang the doorbell and he says, okay, um, now I want the colors to be these two colors. You need to switch them because now my body's absorbed these colors. I need these colors. And we usually don't change them throughout the session. 
And then in the silence, he rang the doorbell again. He said, I'm relaxing more with the music on. Can you please turn it back on? And of course we honor them because they know what they need and they know their body. It's so beautiful. And we had another uh, kid. It was at another center in Texas and uh, he was nonverbal. But after the session, he said to his father, powerful egg. Mm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Everyone has, as far as I know, and you mentioned this too in your book, that everyone has a PRF, people that aren't familiar with this, it's prime resonance frequency, or at least this is what we believe is that everyone has a prime resonance frequency. Um, Healthy cells have a particular frequency, unhealthy cells have a different frequency. And um, I'm just thinking we need to find a device that will give us what our ideal PRF is, which like a Fitbit. (laughs) But we don't have that. Do you think that the harmonic egg, even though you can't read it, like there's not a device that can tell us what frequency we're at, like a like looking at a digital um, code or like a number, right? Of how many steps you took right that day. Um, do you think that the harmonic egg is a device that brings your unique prime resonant frequency into um, balance or activation? Yeah, that's a great question. Now, I don't know. I'm going to say I don't know, but I do know that the egg has a very high vibration, a uh, high frequency. I do believe that disease lives at lower vibrations and lower frequencies, just like um, David Hawkins' work in Power Versus Force how he talks about, you know, the Christ consciousness is maybe at a thousand Hertz and then hate is at a hundred Hertz. Right. And, you know, people talk about the 528, you know, frequency, but I also know that they have to be careful if you're listening to it via an MP3 file on some cheap speakers. If you were to test that, you're probably not really getting 528 Hertz. Mm-hmm. So we try to bring the WAV files into the egg, no MP3 files. I feel like the egg resonates um, very high, maybe eight or 900 Hertz on its own. So it's going to bring the person up. Is it going to help them with their PRF? I, I don't know, but I feel like there's something that you get what you need, not always what you want. And I've heard this time and time again with over 10,000 clients that they didn't expect what they got, but it was lovely. So I'm just wondering how it might be matching their purpose in life. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of cymatics Mm, of seeing the visual aspects or effects of sound. You can capture that. Right. I've talked to John Stewart Reed and we need to, kind of connect again and maybe I need to, what I want to provide him is some of the music and see if he can run it on his cymatics machine and okay. see what shapes, you know, are coming through just like Emoto's work. Yeah. But I feel like if our body's water and we have that crystalline structure and we're doing this high vibrational, you know, sound and light therapies and tuning forks, I mean, it, it can't be, hurting it's only going to be helping the crystals of the body um, be more beautiful 
it's just such a beautiful um, expression of our crystals and our cells. And um, I think Emoto is really onto something. And because our body is mostly water, yeah. you know, what is really happening in there? That's right. And for anyone wondering, again, what cymatics is, cymatics is that study of sound and vibration that's made visible. So you can see what that looks like as a, a pattern like Emoto's work, which he did with water, which Gail is talking about. I think you mentioned in your book, this study of Emoto's work with rice, where if I have it correct, there were two bowls of rice, one which they just left alone. The other one where they uh, deliberately had the children as they walked by every day, say to that rice, something to the effect of like, you fool. And the rice that wasn't being told anything that didn't change, but the one that was told you, you know, stupid fool, it started to get moldy and rotten. Right. Right. He's done studies with plants. Um, and the plants died. It's yeah. It's so, and, and some of the people even commented, they're like, I had a really hard time telling the plant it was stupid and it was dumb, but the plant died. Yeah. Well, we know sound, uh, and you mentioned this too in your book for, with the doctor, uh, Dr. Jaminski from UCLA, who demonstrated that sound can open channels in the cells and restore health. We know this can happen. We know that we can shatter cancer cells. I mean, this is rife technology. And, uh, and you're using rife technology. You're using Tesla technology, which is part of rife technology. Yeah, and- yeah. but rife's, you know, rife's frequencies are different now. So cancer now is different than it was in the 19, you know, 40s. Right. That's right. And I think every being has their own resonance. So therefore I feel like Rife was so spot on with his universal microscope and how he would test every single client and see what their frequency was needing to eliminate or eradicate something from the body. I don't think there is a one size fits all. Yeah, I agree with that. You interviewed um, Stephen Ross and I'm, I'm going to have the pleasure of hanging out in his library in December and, um, and being with the books and the, the lab books that Rife has in, you know, in his own writing and, and soaking up that energy. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited for yeah. you. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a special place on this planet. My God. And what a special man. I know. You, you bring up, Gail, a really important point, I think, with cancer, because with Rife technology, he was healing people of end-stage cancer with just a few sessions and in a few days when he was doing his studies in La Jolla. And the question is, well, wait a minute, if we have aspects of that technology, aspects of it, and again, Stephen Ross, uh, I interviewed him earlier on, as Gail mentions, and um and he talks about this at length where it's a lot of people will say they have rife technology machines, but they don't because uh, they, they got taken. So there are, you don't have that technology. You don't have the exact same technology that rife had, right. but there, there are some um, close uh, variations of it that are, are helping people that might be rife esque, but you can't necessarily call them a rife machine. That's not fair to say, but he was healing uh, end stage cancer in a few days with his technology. And so 
the question is, well, why can't we do that today? And to your point, well, cancer has mutated so much and changed so much over the years from who knows why, but I would argue because of all the increase of the, you know, the industrial age, the chemicals, the GMOs, the, you know, many other aspects of, you know. Well, there's more stress. We have more stress. Yeah. 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 And so it requires more entrainment. <laughs> and. Oh. Yeah, a different protocol. Well, that being said, what are your thoughts on the future of medicine? Do you foresee this uh, becoming more and more normalized in the coming days? What do you foresee for the future of medicine with sound? I do. I really think frequency is the future of medicine. I really believe that um, all disease does have a frequency. Uh, I feel like we need to raise our vibrations, raise our frequencies, get to the level that disease doesn't exist. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it sounds easy. It's not. Um, but I do believe that that is where we're, we need to go. The inva uh, invasive um, traditional medicine is, is not really getting to the root cause. And if you look at the root cause of a lot of conditions or illness, um, you you kind of come back to stress. Ninety percent of doctor visits they are, they're saying are from stress. That's right. And if you look at you have inflammation, you have heavy metals, you have fatty liver, you have stress, and you have immune system issues. And pretty much everything I can boil down to those five things. So we know what the root cause is, and we have to shift our diet. We have to get out of the stress. People sit in front of the computer and they don't take breaks. They don't get out in nature anymore. Uh, we're so like slaves to our technology now um, that that's putting a lot of stress and inflammation on the body as well. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I think there's another component which you touch upon with your work and everything you're talking about, which is science or allopathic medicine, as long as science remains far removed from spirituality, there's little likelihood that they'll kind of catch up with um, the deeper aspects of um, what's possible in our healing, which is, I believe that the coding of all our memory is held in our cells. Then it's possible for us to find this memory content within our cells or our DNA and to see this movie of our, of our memories and um, um, change the noise into a symphony like you're doing with your egg, I believe. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, they, we try to get people to understand that we need all the cells to communicate and play nice together. And, uh, and electrolytes do that too. People are so depleted of minerals, especially the light workers. They're using so many minerals with um, their intuition. They're tapping in, they're downloading, they're working on clients and they're, they're depleting so many electrolytes and the electrolytes are what the cells need to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gail, just before we go, I thought maybe you could share, do you have, or what is your spiritual practice? If you have one. Absolutely. So um, I was raised Catholic like you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. 
Um, I turned to Buddhism a lot because I thought, you know, you just need to be a good person and have a good heart and do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So every day I see my horse and that's my balance and grounding. And uh, we don't really ride. We are friends. We do things together. I honor her for who she is. Um, She works on me a lot uh, in the energy field and the meridian lines. And then I do um, yoga. Yoga is my, I love to do yoga. It feels like it just clears the, the energy pathways. It helps to relieve the stress. And then for me as um, an Ayurvedic medicine, as a pitta, I need to get out in nature. So I have to, you know, relieve a lot of anger. I, and you know, you were interviewed by Dr. Bill or Reverend Bill and he said he doesn't, you know, have anger. And I thought that was quite comical um, because that's my thing. I've always got to get it rid of the anger. Mm. So, and, and that might be just my bit, my pit of body type. So yoga, my horse and nature is mostly my spiritual practice. When I can quiet my mind, that's when I can get all the information coming through. It's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Gail, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing this extraordinary wisdom with our listeners. I'm so grateful that there's a harmonic egg near me, and I look forward to having my own harmonic egg and uh, having a place that people can come to in the future. That's certainly my, um, that's on my wish list. So let's put that out into the ether. And um, can you leave us with anything else perhaps that you'd like to share that's hope for those that just need hope and healing? Sure. I would say that we believe that when we break a bone, our body's going to heal from it, even though we might have to go to the doctor to get it set. We know that bone's going to heal. When we cut ourselves and we're bleeding, we know it's going to scab over and it's going to heal. Why can't people believe, because they've been so brainwashed, that we can heal from anything? I've seen organs regenerate. I've seen miracles happen. I feel like with this frequency medicine as the medicine of the future, our bodies are so brilliant. They can heal from anything. Hmm. Brilliant truth spoken from a true soul sister who knows what's up. (laughs) Gail, when you're the best and um, I'll be bothering you a lot in the coming days. (laughs) It'll be my pleasure to talk to you again, soul sister. Yes. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.